so excited to bring you tonight's guest. We have we tried on April the 1st, April Fool's Day, and the universe decided to make it April Fool's and we couldn't get on live. So tonight, my guest is the wonderful Di Riddell. I hope I've pronounced that properly. She will, she will, she will, she will tell me. Um, and we have, and, and Di is an amazing guest to interview, an amazing speaker, and more importantly, an amazing woman. So as a heart-driven woman, Di has dedicated um, herself to helping women to use their confident voice to be the person they most want to be in regardless of their circumstances. And she calls this empowerment. And I'm getting goosebumps as I'm saying this. So Di's journey has been littered with um, challenges, which at times has paralysed her with fear, yet she has learned to heal her wounds. Did you hear that, people? She has learnt to heal her wounds and create a path to healing and empowerment so she can now offer guidance for others to do the same. Di's ongoing journey is taking her on a different path to a higher consciousness and a higher truth. There was a time when Di had no voice, and I'm sure many of us tonight can relate to this, and lived a life as a victim. Wow, we've all done that, of circumstances. It was as if Di was like a leaf in the wind that continued to attract circumstances that didn't serve her. Di now knows how it feels. She knows the pain and the heartache, and she also knows the struggle it can take to move beyond these limitations. Her quest is to empower women to be fully expressed, to recognise that it's time for, for them to speak out and speak up. We now live in a noisy, busy world, but don't let your voice, your precious voice, be drowned out. These are Di's words, not mine. Her heartfelt wish is for you to recognise, allow and encourage your empowered voice to blossom. It is your unique human gift, a gift that goes on giving if you allow it. What an amazing introduction for an amazing woman. Di Riddell, welcome to tonight's show. Thank you very much, Sandra. Thank you for having me and it's a delight to be here. Oh, it's always a delight to speak to you. I remember a few years ago, and I'll share this before we start Start off, um, many people might see Sandra as a confident person that interviews and talks on lives um, now, but there was a time when I was not so confident, and you remember that very first day that uh, or evening that I entered your world of um, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't get any words out. <laughs> Oh, you've come I'm so proud and I've watched you over the years you're, you're just you're just amazing and you know you're always somebody that I have personally always looked up to as being wanting wanting to speak as well and be as confident um, through my voice um, you. so you have always encouraged me and been that level of um, what's the word I'm looking the the, the level that of professionalism and encouragement for other women so I've oh, yeah you've you've, you've for me, even though I have not personally worked with you a lot, um, but you've been a mentor from afar and somebody that I've always aspired um, to, 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 to be or to get to that level of your confidence and, and the way that you share your message. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you. That's a lovely compliment. 
So before we start, Di, mm -hmm. I'm going to ask. I am going to ask you a question. Oh, yeah, you don't know this one. No. Now, I know that you have recently travelled many, many places on on your travel with your wonderful partner Pete. We did. And um, before COVID nineteen put a screaming halt on your travels, where was the most amazing place in Australia that you travelled to, and what was the most amazing meal you had there? Well, the most amazing place that we travelled to, we didn't actually eat at, but it's called the Whaler's Way, and it's right down the bottom of the Eyre Peninsula, which is the most western peninsula um, in South Australia. And it's a little area, it's, it's actually on private property, so you pay $20 or whatever it is. You get a key, and which unlocks a, a gate and lets you in. It is the most spectacular uh, um, scenery, beautiful, rough, um, oh, God, listen to me, beautiful, beautiful and rough, and there's nothing between it and Antarctica. So mm. it's, it's virtually untouched. It is just the most magnificent scenery. So it's about, it takes about two, hour, two three hours to drive around it, depending how long you, sp you spend at each stop, of course. But, you know, Australia has such amazing, beautiful areas. We are just so lucky to live in this country. We really and truly are. Uh, an amazing meal, well, um, I can't think of an actually. Oh, I know the the beautiful fish that they have in South Australia, the King Edward Whiting. King George Whiting. Oh, yum! Oh, oh, so good when we had it out. We went and bought some, and then I cooked it myself. It was delicious. I love fresh fish because I grew up. I don't like freshwater fish. I grew up on you know seafood, um, sea sea fish like. Um, Brim was my, my staple when I was a child when, when Dad went fishing and then I lived in Mackay for many years. Well, up there it was all uh, reef fish, coral trout, red emperor. Oh, yummo. So I love beautiful seafood. I've learned something about you already. I didn't know you lived in Mackay. I lived in Townsville for a while. So there yeah. you go. <laughs> my late husband was in the sugar industry. So King George Whiting is a is an amazing fish to eat. So, Di, um, what is empowerment to you? What we like, we're, we're going to be talking about, and you like in your bio and, and how I introduced you. Empowerment is really important um, for you, and empowering and being helping others and be the catalyst of change for other women to step into their empowerment. So, what does it look like for you through your eyes? It's, it's stepping into a bigger you so that you feel totally confident so that you can present yourself and be the woman that you need to be so that you're standing there, sitting, standing, behaving, mixing with people so that you are a presence. It's being present and having a presence. And having that presence brings up your personal power when you've got the confidence and you've got the power inside you, you will stand proud. Your physiology will improve. You'll stand up. You'll put your shoulders back. You'll smile. And the words will come out. Of course, that releases you. It opens up your chest so that your breathing's better, your speaking's better. And that empowerment then carries through into the rest of your life. Once you've got it in one area, you can incorporate it into other. Because sometimes we'll start out in an area and work on that. And for me, that was confidence in joining Toastmasters, you know, 42 years ago. And that opened the doors for me to grow in so many other directions. For example, it, under, it, under, it opened up the door to leadership. Now, I didn't think I had a leadership bone in my body prior to that. 
and through the skills that I learned, the effort that I put into it, that gave me the empowerment to stand up and to deliver, to grow and to make an influence and be an influence to other people. And what I think is really important now is what legacy are we going to leave for our children, for our daughters and our granddaughters? If we have that empowerment, if we are strong, powerful women, and I'm not talking about control here, I'm talking about openness, empowerment, being strong and open and making a difference. And if we can pass those skills onto our daughters and our granddaughters, then they too will step into empowerment. They too will be strong women because they've had that role model. Wow. I've got, I've got a couple of things that I want to just dissect, um, dissect yeah. through that. Um, for me, I believe that confidence is the new sexy. Yeah. I think if the woman is confidence, she's got this sexiness about, and I'm not talking about a sexual attraction, like, you know, we, we, we often look at women as being good looking and all of that, and they're sexy, and there's a whole other thing around the sex industry but I personally believe that confidence is the new sexy you feel good it doesn't matter um, what you've got on or whatever you're well and truly okay with who you are and other other people find that like a magnet you just magnetize people to come to you we've got you know you just know you know you walk into a room and you see someone and you just know that they're confident and you think I want some of what she's got. I've heard that before and I say that quite often. So I've been saying it for years. So what do um just to, just to, to clarify for our viewers, what about the word presence? So when you say so that's about what they've got, so we've got a presence about it. And I think sometimes we don't understand what a presence is. You've just got something and it's not it's not beauty, it's just something that you uh, I believe that you just admit and, and people people want it. Energy thing. Yeah. Energy that just emanates out of you. And and talking about empowerment and teaching it to our to our daughters, like um, I've got a new program coming out in the next couple a couple of weeks called um, Rocky Visibility and it's all about um, being confident and everything from the inside out. And when so we can have those empowered conversations with other women. And it's not like, as you said, not about controlling women, but having empowered conversations. And I just like your feedback on this. Do you believe that having empowered conversations with each other is where we have a win-win situation for all and um, we walk away not feeling disempowered? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Being an empowered woman, woman doesn't mean that you put other women down. You, you don't show your empowerment. I don't show my empowerment by putting you down. I show my empowerment by being who I am and encouraging you to be the very best that you can be. And and why why I've asked you this question is that there's a lot of um, talk around the word power empowerment with women, yeah. and I think it's about burning the bras, putting down men, putting down everybody. But it's not when you're in. No, 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 that's not where I come from at all. That's yeah. that. That's control. That's completely different. Very, very different. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and that's why I just want to discuss that with the viewers because there's a lot of women that have been in that position where you have been, and we'll go through it. I think some of the questions we've got where they have had their voice squashed down, where they're they're 
they're frightened to be to become their empowered selves because they feel that they may become control freaks or stuff like that. But it's that's not that's not what empower an empowered voice or an empowered woman actually is. No, not. And if you're in a, in a place where you're severely suppressed, like an abusive situation, for example, you wouldn't even be thinking about the word empowerment. You most likely don't even know what it means. It yeah. wouldn't occur to you because you're so downtrodden and and you're controller um will has destroyed your self-confidence your self-worth and your self-respect so that you can't even think straight you're, you're in a, a chaotic state of mind and you can't possibly make prudent decisions at that stage nor think that my goodness i could be empowered at some so that the words that it wouldn't even wouldn't even enter their head wouldn't even enter their head cool and um now how do you go about resolving negative emotions and like you've had you've got quite a story and we've only shared a snippet of that in your bio so die through your and i know you're in your 70s is that correct yeah 72 right so yeah and for you it's always an ongoing journey of and i'm not going to say i'm not going to use, i'm going to use the word opening up your own inner lotus where the petals come out and more and more of the, the true divine um, die comes out. So what has been your go-to to, to clear negative emotions to help you continually move forward? Writing, does it, uh, journaling is, is probably top of my tree um, because journaling gets those chaotic thoughts out of your head onto paper and then you can see where you are. And as you look back on what you might have written, two, five, ten years ago, you understand and you can see how far you've come because when you're on the journey, quite often you don't acknowledge how far you've come or you don't realise how far you've come. And it's only when somebody else points it out to you or you can go back and have a look for yourself that you can see how far you've come. So journaling is a huge thing um, and forward journaling has helped me enormously Is and that's about putting what you want down on paper, expressing it as if you already have it. I'm so happy and grateful now that I have is the wording that I use in that type of journaling. And and and, and that's awesome advice for those that are watching. But I guess there's one thing that we've left a little bit we've left out of this. What and just in a short snippet, would you like to share a part or some or as much as we possibly can get through of your journey so so, so the, the amazing women that are out there watching us tonight can can feel that there's hope um and there's there's light at the end of the tunnel because you've had an amazing you, you've just had an amazing journey of what you've chosen to do and learn through your 70 odd years on the planet and it hasn't been easy and yet you've got to this place of this amazing empowered um empowered woman wanting to help others Okay, so do you mean um, whatever you wish to share? And I think you have to know where I came from to know who I am and and what a difference I've I've made. Okay, so just in brief for our listeners, um, I had a violent alcoholic dad. I had a terrible, shocking upbringing. By the time I was a young teenager, I had no confidence, no self-esteem, and no self-respect. So I was a sitting duck for trouble. So at the age of 15, I went looking for love and rape found me. So I was a victim of pack rape. Um, a pregnancy and an adoption came out of that. 
and the welfare workers of the day told me I was a disgrace to myself, the universe and everything in between. I should go nursing and get out of society's way because no decent man was ever going to want me. So I went off and I became officious and efficient. Um, I let people use and abuse me for five years until I actually fell pregnant a second time. And um, it was after that that the penny clicked, life can be different. And it's amazing how that can happen. Snippets happen in life. And then I did meet a lovely man and got married and had, that was a bit different too because I was, he had four kids aged 10 to 16 and I was 24. So I took on a bit when I got married and then we had a son together. And then over that next 31 years that we were together, I grew into the woman, started to grow into the woman that I was to become. That was when I joined Toastmasters. That was when I moved into the corporate sugar industry. That was when I started to really grow. And then in 2002, Les passed away. Well, my life just tumbled. Um, I was a, an emotional, physical and spiritual wreck. I'm five foot 10 and I lost 15 kilos. I dropped to 51 kilos. So I was like a matchstick with the wood scraped of it. Um, and at that stage, a friend took me to the doctor because I was just incapable of, almost incapable of looking after myself. And it was that from that point, she said to me, she was a mature doctor, and she said to me, don't you matter? And I bristled, said, of course I do. And she said, well, you're not behaving like it. And it was like someone had hit me with a wet washer. So that was the starting point of me making the, the move to move forward. Now I've done it incredible amounts of self-development work and my first step because my, my dad was an alcoholic was I went to Al-Anon which for anyone who doesn't know is an organization for the um, friends and relatives of an alcoholic so in AA the 12 steps the basis of the 12 steps is alcohol so that's what you're, you're working against in Al-Anon you still work through the same 12 steps but the basis of focus is you so it's a wonderful self-development tool if you use it. So that started it. And then I started writing and then I joined National Speakers and then a lady took me under her wing and said, I think you've got a book in you. And so my, I didn't set out to be an author. That story evolved. So that was 2006. And then over the next 10 years, more self-development of massive proportion, gigantic proportions took place. And then in 2018, I released the book still calling it Beyond Abuse, but called it a recovery guide for men and women in an era of me and all of us too. So it has four men's stories, because stuff happens to men as well, and four other women's stories. Now, the surprising and absolutely wonderful thing that happened when that, live, that book went live on Amazon was something went off in my head and I thought, I'm ready to search. So I set about finding the baby that I had adopted out 50 years previously. And in two short months, I had found, met and hugged my daughter. Whoa. And then the next year, I moved on. Still more work because there's a lot of work around that and that was a deep emotional thing that happened when I met Sue. Uh, I wrote my third book, which is called Speak Out. And that's about suppression to expression. So if you're going to be empowered, it's going to be through the power of our voice that we make our difference. 
and that will come about through expression not suppression so book is speak out um four-year-old me as the suppressed child and then happy me down the track so that photo around about the time that photo was taken i was a four-year-old and i was petrified of my violent alcoholic dad and we were at a public function it was my grandparents 60th um, wedding anniversary when my father got up to speak he was a bit of a man about town he was one of those pale fellow well met at home and a, a, a horror behind doors and he said something that was incorrect and my little four-year-old self stood up on the chair and corrected him now i got quite a hiding over that now from that i carried that limiting belief of what I've got to say isn't important. It's not safe to speak up. And there's a lot of people you can't trust, even those who love you. Now, I carried those limiting beliefs for decades before I did the work to release them and, and move on. So that was a big part. So quite often there's something that happens in our childhood that creates that barrier that we don't even there, it sits under the surface and we bubble along in life, not knowing what it is, not knowing that there's something there holding us back. You know, it's been a huge, huge journey. Um, but I'm living proof that no matter what happens to you, you can still rise, you can still become an empowered woman and you can still be a role model for other women to say, if she can do it, so can I because I want some of what she's got. And, you know, Di, what I love about it is you're never too old to do it. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think that is so important in, in as we as women rise, we as women come together and we, we, we shine together. It doesn't matter whether you're... Um, Whatever age you are, that your voice is important. And uh, my that's why rocking your visibility is so damn important to me. It's not about doing so you can get up and do lives or anything, so you can be visible in every area of your life and open your voice up. And what I found through my own work and when I work with many, many women is that it comes back to what happens in childhood. And they've suppressed it and they're not because it's apparent that they're very reluctant to let it go and because somebody that they love has said something to them that it must be right yeah that's right because at a four-year-old you're going to believe everything your parents tell you yeah and our, and our most impressionable years are from naught to um to seven so so thank you for sharing that we've got some really good feedback um here that um, Safi, I think that's how I, you pronounce her name. She's going to get your book tomorrow, so I'll put the link up here. Um, for, that's wonderful. But for her, and you know, um, and then she's got wow, wow. I was meant to hear this. Thank you for your bravery and sharing your story. So this is what um, Vino and Chat's all about. And you know, a lot of people say to me, Sandra, why do you do this for free? because I believe that each of us have a story and I don't, um, at some point, no matter what we do in business, there's always a point where we are of service and it's not always about the money. And this is why this is my time that I can give 
to give back to those that support me to share a story even if those that the, the people the viewers aren't actually working with me if somebody on my show can be the catalyst in my tribe for change in their lives then i have touched their lives it's not always about the money it's about what we can do for people and that's why Bino in chat came about because i wanted to be able to open a forum up for for women to help women by sharing their stories and i think that's wonderful and um i've got two other things that i'd like to add in there now one of them is and i shared to the for our listeners i shared this story with sandra when i when we first came on this evening last night i got knocked off my perch so it just shows that no matter how far you've come there can always be something niggling that can just challenge you and knock you off your perch particularly if you're not expecting it i watched the movie um, philomena and it covers a very abusive story of, of childhood within the Catholic religion. So I'm not going into the story. But there were so many pain points in there that fitted in with my story that I was very quite upset last night. But today I knew that I wasn't in a good place. So what the point is, when something happens now, I reach out. I reached out to two people immediately so that I could get myself back on track and be up and about so i think that's really important that even no matter how far you've come things still have challenges are like a bus there'll always be another one <laughs> learning to handle your challenges and have strategies for that and i think that's that's one of the great things about the book um speak out speak out whoops where is it um because it's a combination of storytelling strategies and action steps so the strategies and the, the, the what you can do about it is action steps but there's a story to support each of them, which makes it more plausible, it makes it more readable, and it makes you, put, you can put yourself in there, for instance. And I think that's really important because sometimes when we're in the, um, we're in it, yeah. and we feel that there's nobody there to help us, we think this we're the only person that's going yeah. through this. You're alone. And by sharing and by being um, able to, to, to share and communicate and, and, and say to people, hey, this has happened to me too. It's a little bit like the Me Too movement. And I think the Me Too movement just isn't so much, I don't see it so much around sexual abuse. Me Too movement should be, hey, this has happened to me, me too, no matter whether, what it is, what it is, I've it's suffered, I'm hurt, and it's Me Too. So when we're, when we're open as women, and this is the way that we can change the planet and we can break those cycles of, of um We've had generation after generation on this planet, lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes of where women have been shut down and it's time for the divine feminine to rise up so and heal our own stuff. So then when our daughters, when we have a child or whether we have a grandchild, so when we come back to the planet, we're not facing the same shit as I call it, the washing machine cycle and the hamster wheel. We get to have a better life because we've let all that stuff go and even if it's, we, it only has to be 51%, so they tell me that we don't go through it again. And, and I think that's really, it's really important. So I want to get on to the next um, question, Di. The importance of prioritising love, light and laughter. And I can see this as being important to you because you are someone that shines um, light, you shine love. And I don't think I've ever seen you not having a damn good laugh. 
well, that's very nice. Do you think you? But there were times, and I think that, you know, when you have a challenge, particularly if it's a serious challenge, the first thing that happens is love, light and laughter goes out of your life. And then you get to the point where you... Can I just stop you for a moment there? Saski Lee's just, because I can't answer questions and, and that, she's just asked, can she share this? Please do. Please share this. Um, if, if you're, to share it, come across to, um, if you're in, in, in my group, the Powerful You Movement, um, you'll have to come out to Vino or ch and chat or go to um, the um, Powerful You page, but in a, in a group, you, you, you cannot share it in a group. So pop out to one of those pages and please share it. Um, Di and I would love you to share this That's conversation right. out to whoever you feel needs to hear this. So we'll get go, we'll go back on that. And I'll just um, the importance of prioritizing love, light, and laughter. Yes, because you know, and then if I speak from my own experience, after my husband passed away when I just collapsed within that first 12 months, uh, I stopped having fun because I felt guilty. I didn't think I'd go out and I'd think, oh, I better go home. Well, why did I have to go home? There wasn't anyone there, only me. And then when I decided that I would turn myself around, it was almost like I'd forgotten how to have fun. And I had to re-educate myself and be encouraged by others to do that because I'd withdrawn to such a degree and it wasn't, this one wasn't someone else putting me down. It was me putting me down. And I sometimes do think we need to be aware of that. It's not always somebody else who does the suppressing. Quite often we can suppress ourselves because of what our perceived shortcomings of what we think about ourselves. Yes, I know. I know. I, I, I've done that myself. There's been some things that I could have gone to. Um, this is in the past and I haven't because of my perceived um outcomes of what I thought other people would would, would think uh, and but it wasn't actually them it's actually me and my perceived outcomes where they may not even think that but I had already put it into my head that this was going to happen so I, di I didn't go um, so I think it's all of us it's never if we think somebody is judging going to judge us we're actually judging ourselves as not being good enough to be there or being if we think we're going to be judged and I guess in your case die being judged because you're out having having fun and you know you've your late husband isn't there yeah. it's sort of like you, you're judging yourself rather than other people were judging yeah, you. Well, somebody else was judging me I was judging myself yeah yeah and one of the things that happened was that um, in that first initial visits to the doctor, et cetera, I went off to see a psychologist and it was the best thing I ever did because she set me on the, on the trail of using strategies. And one of the strategies she said, because I deprived myself, was one of my exercises to do between visits was to spend 45 minutes every day doing something that I enjoyed. It didn't matter what it was and I had to report, journal it, and bring it back and show her that I had actually done something. Now, at first I thought, oh, how's that going to help? But I did it and it made such a difference. And that was the beginning, I think, of me understanding that how you forget to have fun, but then it made me think outside the square because if I had to do something every day, what was I going to do? What do I do tomorrow? Well, there's lots of things I enjoy, but I'd shut myself down to the degree that I couldn't remember. It was like my mind went blank. So, you know, we can be in a very confused state when we're in a state of suppression. So, Di, um, having, like, that, that was great to, to, to be able to share, but 
in the state that the world's in where most of us are in lockdown, what would be some of the strategies to for, for women that are cope going through this, whether they're alone, their husbands died or something, you know, and, and that what would be the strategies or what, what could be some of the things that they could do within the the way that the world is because we can't get out and do some of the, the free stuff that we used to be able to do. would be to stay connected. Connect with somebody, one or two people every day. Ring, you must know, everyone knows somebody. Ring somebody, two people every day. But if you know someone who's a grumble bum, don't ring them. Bring the people who are going to make sure that one of those people are going to be someone who cheers you up. So I think that's disconnect from the extreme news that we're seeing. If you want to watch the news, watch one set of news a day so that you don't get drowned and sucked down into it. And set yourself that goal of doing something for at least an hour to um, to make that, that you enjoy, that you love. And pick up on things that, that you haven't, maybe you haven't done for years. You might have been a patchworker, you might have been a sewer, you might have been a painter. Um, drag those things out of the cupboard if you haven't touched them for years and just play in it. Allow yourself to play. Because I think that there's been a lot of um, that the, um, this situation has thrust us back so that we have to think beyond the entertainment of the world. We've had to come back and see what's inside us and what we can do. And, you know, women have so much wisdom. They have so much inner knowing that they don't acknowledge or it has been suppressed. So when they let that out, suddenly it all gets very expansive. And look at the growth on Zoom. Every man and his dog's on Zoom. You can be on there 10 times a day if you, if you so choose. And I've had to pull back, actually, because there were so many that I couldn't get anything done. So... Um, Reaching out, speaking up, doing things that make you happy, do some reading, learn something, learn a skill. Like if you've been doing video, do a little video course. If you're a writer, go and do a writer's course. Anything, there's so much stuff available online. If you if you wanted to paint, there's, someone was telling me they were doing a painting course on, online. So, you know, there's everything out there to educate us. We are so fortunate to have that available to us and maintain your health yeah and we can always buy all our goodies online too that we need if we want to paint or and that there's paint online uh, online shops that was that was awesome and thank you for sharing that um and ne my next one is and i think it's embracing change and you've had so much change in your life and i know for myself i love change i'm a change maker and um i just love change if you if i have to do something exactly that day in day out exactly all the time i get bored i've i i i embrace change i need change in my life but a lot of people don't like to embrace change because of the fear that that that's behind it so yeah. what are your tips on embracing change and so that it can become your friend two things you can write a letter to change say dear change in the past i've ridiculed you i've hidden away from you i've ignored you i didn't want to know you but i've decided to change that i've decided that my not liking change can get flicked out the window and i'm embracing change i'm making you my friend would you please be my new friend love die now there's a little script for that in the book so that's one thing and 
and while it's a fun thing, there is a definite pattern behind that and there's certainly, it, it's powerful. And the other thing is to have change angels. So, you know, what's a change angel? No. Someone that you admire, someone who handles change well. You might not know them personally, just like you've been watching me from afar over years. You can see certain things that I do and the certain things that might fit with you. So if you find someone who handles change well, look at what they do. And is there something in there that they do that you can incorporate in your life? Or when you come up against a situation, you can say to yourself, what would I do? What would Joe do? And when you think about how they would handle a situation, it gives you ideas and options because sometimes when we're caught in, in having change thrust upon us, we don't think we've got options. We think we have to stay wherever wherever we are. Or we think we have to move to that, that place where we're being um, changed to. So if you can look at it from the point of view of what would he or she do, that gives you some fresh ideas and it opens you up to different possibilities. So they're two points from embracing change. Yeah, and that's that's great because I actually do get a few messages that come through quite often and they go, oh, I did this and this came up. But and I asked myself, what would Sandra do? <laughs> And, and 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 I get it's quite humbling to think that people think what what they go what because because they know that I've built my business on shit and fuck and and all of that so they 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 understand that that I don't really I just do do my stuff and and a lot of it they just go yeah Sandra just say embrace the change and let the shit go so um, well, that sums it up yeah you've summed it up in one sentence it took me ten minutes to say. <laughs> But that's all right because how I sum it up and how you explain it, many people have got different ways on how they're going to learning styles. Yeah, I can say that to somebody and they'll get it and say it to somebody else and they're like, oh no. Um, whereas so I think that's that's that that's the key, that's a fundamental key to communication. And yeah. when we are out in the um in the um we put ourselves out there to communicate and to share our message. I think it's really important for uh, for all of us not to get tied up in that I told him that because it sometimes you've got to hear it many different ways before the light bulb comes on. And it's just like at the end of the day, the most important thing is that somebody's got it and that they can move on and heal. So true, very, very true. Yeah, so we've all got different ways of doing things, and mine is plain and simple. Um, I, I'm just Sandra, and 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 like I love the way you just shared that. I thought that was just just wonderful, and um, I got a lot out of that. So I'm come, I'm going back to listen to that, Di, because I love what you just said there. And Roz Bounty's watching tonight, and she's got she's going back to the start to listen to the start of um, of this show. So Jasky's got that we're a perfect combination. So that's um. Who knows what might come out of this? So, Di, do you have any personal um, rituals as a basis to enrich your life? Oh yes, I'm very big on on personal rituals. I mean, if you take it right back to basics, I bet you didn't get forget to get dressed when you got up this morning, did you? I oh, know I wouldn't sit in my office naked. Exactly. You got dressed. I might be in my pajamas. How did you learn to get dressed? You did it every day. Your mum dressed you and then you learned to do it. So it became a habit. Yeah. So rituals are like little habits that sustain us, 
grow us and keep us present and keep us balanced. So again, journaling is a big one of mine. Tapping EFT is a big um, ritual of mine. It can be candle, it can be reading, um, it can be grounding, um, music. There is a whole host of rituals that I use, but journaling and EFT um, and mirror work are really powerful rituals. Oh, I, I, I love the mirror work I've done. I've played a little bit with EFT and, and, and journaling and um, Rebecca and I are putting out a journal later this year uh, with, a, with, a, with a deck of oracle cards. And um, But the mirror work, is it, it's massive because for me, why I um, say mirror work, for me at 49, I looked into the mirror and I asked myself who the hell Sandra was and I had no idea. No idea. And we often, and there's something that um, another healer, um, Raylene Byrne, she uses it. She says, look into the mirror and ask yourself, what are you lying about to yourself today? Oh, that's a good question. I've never used that for a long time. And it's like really look deep into your soul. Are you lying that you're truly happy? Because if we we, we will cover it up. And 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 I sort of when I first heard that, I was just like, wow. It sort of like threw me back a little bit. And it's like, oh, this is a bit confronting. But what do we lie about? It lie to ourselves about each day. Lots of things. You know, lots of which stops our happiness, which stops us from moving forward, which stops us from being that empowered woman. That, that you've been talking about and it's it was it's really really powerful to to look into the mirror and look into your own eyes and ask yourself that you know whether it's a relationship and I guess on some form that's what I asked myself when I looked into the mirror at 49 and went who who am I I'm not happy I, I couldn't answer that so I, I had been lying to myself that I was happy and that I was in control in my life when my life was totally in turmoil yeah and, and when your life is out of whack, it can seem a long and unattainable journey to, to bring it back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what I was going to say. That's all right. So um, strength-based understanding of self for your future. Would you like to? It's one of your questions you asked me to ask. And um, what does that what what does that mean for you or what does it look like for you or and how can it look like for our viewers? That comes back to how you see yourself. If you don't understand yourself and have that basic understanding of who and what you are, and this is an honesty thing, this isn't about lying to yourself. Hmm. If you have that um, um, strength, base strength um, of who you are, then you've got the opportunity to honestly and authentically move forward. But if you don't understand who you are from now, and are prepared to um, acknowledge and accept the good bits and the bad bits because we've all got wobbly bits. Um, so it's understanding that that taking in those those pieces or accepting the whole of you. And if you know how the whole of you is, it's then your choice. You've got that un basic understanding of who you are. And if you don't like who you are, then you need to look at that and decide what can I change. What do I want to change and what will I change? It's all very well to say I'm going to, but what will you actually do? So, and I think that, that strength-based understanding also comes back to being realistic 
about what you say you will do. Don't set yourself a, a gigantic goal or compare yourself with someone. It would be like me comparing myself to Oprah, you know, no comparison. I don't want to be Oprah. I'm dying and I do things my way. But if I set myself, I got up every morning and think, oh, I can't do what she did. I can't do this and I can't do that. That's destroying what's, what's there. So have that deep understanding of you and then decide where you're going to go with it. Wow. That's really, really, um, really good. And I think it's also um, in that what I'd like to add, it's about getting to the point where we start to remove all our masks. Yes. We, we, yep. And we come into, because we, and I know for, um, for for so many, and like when you, we go back to that little four-year-old girl that you, you were talking about in, in yourself, automatically there was a mask this is what i can't do so that there's a there's a mask or a wall whatever people want want to call it then something else happens in our life and we, we put a mask on when you went into nursing to mask that pain of, of of what had happened to you and it goes on and on and on that's why it's a coping skill that's how you yeah. yeah and when we when we start to release those masks and we can really come into the fullness of, of who we are and and shed all that stuff off then that's the process of finding ourselves. Uh, and and a massive difference to your self-confidence, massive difference to your self-confidence. And, and, it, and it, But it's okay to go, you know, like I look back, I, I've worked in corporate for, for a long time. I worked for BHP Billiton. Um, I worked, um, I was an occupational health and safety officer. I was a hatch set facilitator, a training officer. And I was talking to somebody um in Townsville the other day and she's known me for a long, long time. And in those days I had short red hair, I wore steel cap boots, an orange shirt with BHP bulletin and a pair of jeans. And she was looking at the front cover of the Holistic Bliss and she went, oh my God, Sandra, there's two different people here. And that has been my journey of peeling off from that corporate of that hard and the hardness to come into that softness of, of, of where we are and be okay with that. And I look back at that, Sandra, and I just, I just have a good chuckle. I, I really do. But that person, and I think it's really important that we understand that we don't beat ourselves up for the mistakes that we know what we've done. It yeah. makes us who we are because that's our story and that's what we share with the world. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Be be kind to yourself, and and that's that's because you know the worst person that that's going to judge us is ourselves, yeah. and you know we don't have to. If doesn't matter what other people think about us, it's what we we truly believe about ourselves. On, on the on the other side of that, you know, people may not like you, but you know you it doesn't matter love yourself and it comes down to self-love and love yourself for everything that you are and everything that you represent absolutely so um beyond your barriers what could be holding you back oh that's a big one that's a big one uh the now two things that are just bouncing out at me immediately are forgiveness and boundaries so with boundaries, um, we can either have wobbly boundaries where we let everybody walk all over us. So that can be holding you back because you can't possibly be yourself because you, you're a people. You become a people pleaser. If your boundaries become too stiff and you're, ugh, then nobody can get near you, and you have no chance of growing because you're completely closed off. And once you close your physical self off, you're closing your mind off. 
and then you're not open to any options or opportunities that come your way. So I think boundaries is a huge subject. That that's just a nutshell. Yeah. The, the other thing, what was the other thing I was there was something else I was going to say about. Yes, well, it was really very strong. For the moment, it's gone. My, my mind's gone blank, but never mind. That's that's all right. And I think boundaries are really important because we are either we allow others to walk over us or we shut ourselves off and become very controlling because we're very controlled and we're very closed and it's just like, and that was me um, for, for a long, long time. I had learnt to, sh I shut everything out. It's just like, no, no one's going to hurt me. No one's going to do this to me. And it, it was a, a long time before I allowed those walls to, 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 yeah. to break down because it comes down to trust. Yeah. And we do that because we don't trust anybody. And But more importantly, I think it comes down to it's not so much we don't trust anybody else, we don't trust ourselves to make the right decision. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and and forgiveness, and I like the bit... Yeah. That was the other point, forgiveness. Right. So I must have got it. So, you know, the bit you said about forgiveness, because forgiveness shackles us and holds us to the past. And it's not about freeing others by doing the word by doing the forgiveness it's about freeing yourself so you can move forward on your future path and become the amazing being that you come here to be and you know you've had so much where you would have had to to, to get to where you are die to to do that in with forgiveness what's your what would you like to share with the viewers in regard to your a little bit of your journey around forgiveness and what did what what tools did you use well, I had to come to a point of forgiveness to my dad and the rapists before I wrote my original book, Beyond Abuse. And I found that really difficult, but I came to the point through journaling, I had to come to a point of how was I going to be able to do that? Now, from my father's point of view, I, don't, I never walked in his shoes. I don't know what sort of upbringing he had that he felt he had to inflict such pain on our family. So he must have been so low in his own self-esteem, even although he was blustery and, and violent, and that normally they are anyway. Um, I don't know what led him to that. So if I don't know what led him to that, how can I sit in judgment on him? So when I reached that point, it was suddenly like, well, maybe some of that applies to me. And then I started, I had always only thought about the negatives. I started to think about what were the positive aspects of my father? Well, he was um, a good communicator when it suited him. He was strong-willed and he had an excellent work ethic. Now, he passed those things on to me, but I never thought about acknowledging my dad. From the, so that I was able to work through that so then I could set that forgiveness in place so that I could write from a realistic point of view and not writing as a victim. Uh, from far as the three rapists went, I only knew one of the three. Again, I don't know what made them feel they had to inflict such pain on a naive girl. I have no idea. It's like the herd mentality of the young. And I'm not saying that um, it didn't matter or that it didn't happen. Yes, it did. But I don't know what happened in their lives and I just hope that 
they reached a point in their lives where they hoped that they um, supported their own families and made sure that something didn't happen similarly to their daughters. Now, now people have said to me, how can you possibly forgive them? Why didn't you go after them now and, and uh, uh, take them to court or do something or other? Well, one, I wouldn't even know where to find them. But secondly, if I did that today, I mean, gosh, all this happened back in the early 60s. It'd be nothing but revenge. I don't need revenge because revenge holds me back. So when I let it go, whatever have, whatever they've done, they'll have to answer to their higher power, their God, what, what the universe, what, whatever your belief system is. They'll have to answer to them for their actions. I've cleared myself so I can, when I reach my time of reaching my, my God, I'm, I've got a clear mind. I know that I've done what I can do. And that allowed me to put it into perspective and, and, and write from a realistic point of view and an open point of view, which I couldn't have done while I had that negative attitude about both instances. So they, they, they were really big things in my life. Wow, Di, that's really, really powerful. And it's a, it's a place where of that's how I explain forgiveness. That's how I explain things that happen into our lives is to look past the person and, and look, in, look past and go, what has made them like that? Uh, and that takes us out of our victim, uh, our victim mode. And it takes a bit to get to that and a bit to understand that. But when we do get to that, so much healing comes, comes from it. It doesn't excuse the behaviour or no. it doesn't shut down what's happened, but it allows you to move on and they're not, because they have probably moved on to, with their lives, but you're still I'm following sure they them. Sure they're not, so those three guys wouldn't be sitting around saying, oh, remember what we did to that girl way back? Of course yeah. they are. Yeah, and, and so... And, and and your father would have had to face his own thing when he when he went when he died and, and and passed on. And I think it's I know from from a soul's perspective, it is really really important to get to that to that point. And you know we hear so much that oh they've did this or they've done that. But at some point, you know, if someone's having a bad day, even though it's not to the same level of hurt and they're abusive to you or you get abused, I just go, wonder what's going on in their life that's made them like that because it's never about me. Yeah. It's always about them. And it's yeah, only... To treat us, treat us in ways. And so another uh, word, phrase that I use quite frequently is teach our daughters to leave the table when respect is no longer being served. And I think a lack of respect is a huge factor in the um, high relationship breakdown today. Yeah. Um, um, is that respect of themselves or respect that both. people don't have respect for, for them? Yeah, both. both. Well, they, they show respect for themselves by leaving the table when they're treated disrespectfully. Yes. So and that's, being, that's, disrespected, being disrespected, start early. The first sign of being disrespected, say to the person that is not acceptable behaviour. And, and 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 that's great because um, I explain it to to to, to my to, to my tribe and those that work. If you want somebody to treat you properly, you have to show them how to treat you, yes. and you have to speak up. So yes. and and that's a great way to put it with with um, with the respect because if we don't have respect for ourselves, then we will allow others to treat us the same way, and we want that, that comes back to your inner confidence of how you present yourself and what you will or won't tolerate. And I think as mothers, um, well, I've, I've got a daughter uh, and 
she learned a lot of her stuff from the way that I allowed her father to treat me. He was not physically abusive, but she learned a lot of how men treat you because of what I showed her, what I was willing to accept. Yes. Um, and it's really important that we understand that what we do as women has a massive effect on our children and yeah. even to the point of our sons because then they feel, oh, that's how you treat a woman. Dad treated right. me like that. Mum accepted it, so it must be okay. Yeah, that's so how life is. And, and that's what they do. So as women, we hold the fundamental key with our children as because we birth them and we, we what we will accept and what we won't accept, whether they're male or they're female, what, how, we, how we accept things um, moving forward. And so they can grow up to be independent loving healthy well-respected um human beings with um that show respect not only for themselves but for others around them in the world around them hmm. awesome so um and my last question um before is your empowered voice and life is a gift in a mirror of self-awareness i love this one yeah what have you got to say <laughs> you just, your voice you know your voice is your human gift and it's one to be cherished, it's one to work on, it's one to love and appreciate. And when you look in the mirror and you hear or record and listen to your voice, it is a mirror for the level of self-awareness that you have about who you are, what you do and what place you, you have in this world. And, I, and and it, I come back then to the um, to our children and our grandchildren. We're role models. What are we creating for them? And I put a thing in the, in the last chapter about a voice image movement, about speaking kindly, about speaking with respect, about speaking with compassion and empathy. If we learn to be able to do this, if we're taught this as children, it will move through into future generations. You look at what you see when you go out into shopping centres when you're out and about and hear the way people speak to each other or they speak to their children. You know, they're setting dreadful examples and that nothing's going to change until people decide that that's how it's going to be. When it comes back to kindness, there's an author, um, Alexander McCall Smith, he wrote a series of books about um, Botswana, a lady detective, number one detective, lady something or other it's called and it, it's a very gentle there's about seven or eight and it's very gentle she um her dad dies and leaves her with a dozen cattle which which was quite a lot of, and that made a lot a lot of money so she sold the cattle and she set herself set herself up as a lady detective so she's really working for common sense and she's got this little little book and she refers to this book um, but it's all about common sense, but there's this level of kindness through it. And while I recognised it when I read it, it wasn't until I heard him interviewed and the um, interviewer said to him, how come you, you know, this level of kindness comes through your writing? And he said, that's how I view the world. That's how I live my life. And that's how I write. Wow. How powerful is that? That's that's extremely powerful, and I like to say to say to people when we unlock our voice and we speak with um, love, with power, and with wisdom, 
we can then be heard in such a way that people will listen to us. And it's not, and, and a lot of times when we open our voice, if it's been suppressed for a long time, we will open it up and it will just roar out because it's been so suppressed. Yeah, and so it's it's a learning thing because it's it's like it's sitting here then when we, when we do go to um, uh, express ourselves and, and I'm going to use Rebecca as this example, like she, she, shut her voice down or I may have shut it down when she was a child but or her father and when it did come out it would come out with so much disrespect and but so much um so rude and abrupt and, and I used to be like that myself that you don't it becomes such a habit that you don't know yeah and until someone points it out you don't and I think um if I can just do an example just because being confident is not being arrogant that's right confidence is that quiet assurance that quiet thing like I said you just know it when you see it arrogance is shouting from the, the rooftops I, I am the greatest and if I can share a story about that when I was nursing my first my, nursing was very disciplined in the 1960s um, my first night as a senior nurse I was so excited oh god I was excited I was going to be boss for the night and I had a junior nurse so we were in an aged person's ward and it was an evening shift. And after dinner, she said, this girl came up to me and she said, what do we do now? And I said, well, we clean their teeth and we put them to bed. And she said, oh, okay. So I'm strutting around the ward, you know, being mad and wonderful. A little while later, she come up and tapped me on the shoulder and said, I've cleaned their teeth. I turned around and she had 40 pair of bolts teeth in a dish. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard you said. I've heard this before. Yeah. I've heard many people wrung her neck. But if I hadn't been so arrogant, if I had been confident and supportive of her as her senior nurse, I would have been watching, and it wouldn't have happened. But it's a it's a really good example to show how you can tip from confidence over into arrogance. Oh, I, I, I remember I remember the first time you shared that um, that and it's just like just it still makes me laugh. No, no, Stephen, how are you go? How are we going to find who belongs to what? <laughs> and at some point, we can all relate to something that we have done as being arrogant. That you know, and rather because we think, well, we know it all, or you know, whatever it is, and and we can look back and go, yeah, and our comp, and I think that that's so true when we start to look at empowerment, we start to look at confidence, and we start to look at our our, our voice. That I found that when I was in the corporate world, that a lot of women that were suppressed at home or in 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 relationships where they were suppressed at home were very arrogant, very um, domineering, very all, all of this um, in, in, in the workforce because all of a sudden they had this power and it was just like, I've got it, I don't have it at home. I've, and they wielded it, and I was one of them, <laughs> it wielded it like a like an iron rod and, you know, sometimes and it's just like and it's, then something will happen in your life and you'll just go, wow, I don't need to do this anymore. So we, we, we all do it. Um, to some extent, uh, especially if we've been shut down and we get that opportunity to have that power. Uh, and, you know, I'd like to say to the viewers tonight that empowerment, I hope, I know that we have done an amazing interview tonight, Di, around empowerment and the true meaning of empowerment for us as women 
on this planet at this time. The rising of the divine feminine energy is not about um, bashing the men or anything like that. It's truly stepping into our own personal empowerment of who we are so we can be the very best version and the very best examples for others to follow. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to add to that? I don't think so. I think you've summed it up really well. Um, I, my greatest joy is to see women grow to express themselves and make their difference in this world. Because, you know, we've got this raised consciousness that's going on around us now. Um, let's just keep it rolling. Let's keep it rolling and let's keep ourselves educated. Be kind, be considerate, be compassionate. That doesn't mean to say that you can't still speak your truth with power, authenticity and grace. And I think also before we go is that if you do see another woman really motoring along and doing and, and, and out there, don't, don't try and pull her down. You know, maybe reach out and say, what are you doing? How, how are you doing this? And, yeah. if, and if she's willing to share, she doesn't have to share, but if she's willing to share, uh, um, celebrate it, share it. Yeah. But, but don't try and um, pull her down yeah. because you're not ready yet to step into, into that yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that, that, that comes from this, the low self-esteem issue. Um, of having to pull somebody else down so that you look good. Uh, that's not how we operate. So speak up, speak out, suppression to expression in nine vital steps, lots of stories, lots of strategies and action steps that you can follow so that you can speak and become the greatest woman that you are. It's been such a pleasure to be with you tonight, Sandra, and oh, I hope you're listening today. It's, it's been awesome, Di, but what I want to do is celebrate you and share you. So where can the viewers find you? Where can they find your book? I know I do have it. I will put it above this link on Vino and Chat after the show or early tomorrow morning. So where can they find you and um, how can you help them to shine like you do? They can work with me one-on-one. -on -one. They can join my Confident Speakers community, which I'm doing some work on at the moment. They can find me on my website, which is diradell.com. Um, I'm very active on Facebook, particularly on Your Voice Matters TV with Di Riddell, because I'm getting around to getting a TV, a, a web TV show growing. And it just hasn't happened as yet. Uh, that's where I do a lot of posting and confidence beyond 50, uh, because I find that I don't know how old you're, what, what demographics your audience is. Oh, 45 onwards. Oh, okay. Um, it's been my experience that around about 50, 55 is when many challenges hit, like it's when relationships break down, the kids have left home and gone to uni, um, starting with grand, grandkids, health issues start to appear, retrenchments happen, you've got aged parents, and it can really knock your confidence around. So, And it was important for me because I lost my confidence after Les passed away and I had to rebuild. So, you know, um, whatever we can do to support each other, just be there and support each other. Get on with your own self-development. And that's why there's such a range of strategies in the book because the same strategy doesn't suit everyone. And different strategies will work at different times. You might look at the book today and then in a year's time have a look at it again and you'll see it with different eyes because you've gone through different experiences. So it's more like a resource book. It's not like a novel that you sit, you sit down and read as a novel, as a story. 
but it's got the resources in it so when you've got a challenge you can refer to it and say what did she say back here what was that strategy and what was the story that supported it and when you look at it you think ah there's an opportunity for me there's an opening that I can step into so that I can be a better woman a better communicator and a better role model because we are Awesome. And I'd like to thank all our viewers who joined us tonight on video and chat, and no matter where you are on the many um, platforms that we have shared it on our die, shared it all out um, everywhere else. And if anybody has got a story and they'd like to be interviewed on the show, flick me a message. Um, you never know. I just might say yes. And the reason why we don't ask or we're frightened to ask people to um and when we start to be get into that empowerment is because we're we're we're, we're scared of hearing the word no and if that's the least that somebody can say to you is no it just means that they're not your target market and you move on to something else so don't ever be frightened to say no don't ever be frightened to reach out and say hey sandra i'd love to have a chat with you di's got her own show you don't know you might be a good fit for her yeah, well, that's right. Yes. So yes. it's all about sharing the love. I will see you. Join me next week. I don't know who I've got on next week. You never know who's going to pop up on Vino and chat. In the meantime, enjoy your week wherever you are in the world. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and we will catch you next week. Cheerio to everyone, and thank you, Sandra, for the opportunity to share with your read your listeners. You're welcome, Di. Okay.